manifest need to have time to manifest in, and they need to be have space to be seen in. Yeah. So time and space is like the is the uh, medium of the dream in a way, one of the mediums. So then the mind, uh, what they're always questioning isn't. what you're looking for. They're not trying to describe what you should be looking for. They're trying to describe how you're looking so that when you realize it's a format or a structure, then you may be able to, something may happen and the mind may, like, instantaneously, no time at all, let it go because it never actually was anything to hold on to. So it doesn't take any time to let it go. It's just a recognition, yeah, of, hey, jeez, you know. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how it would feel to you, but, you know, it's just, hey. <laughs> and then, then a possibility that was being manhandled by the format, you know, like instead of the possibility of being free, it will, is, I will be free is the possibility, yeah? Which will be dictated by how the format sees uh, freedom, which is, it's as an object to it that has to be reached by some action, let's say. I, I think that's a fundamental flaw, you know? I mean, you can use a path to express what you are, but I don't think you can use a path to find out what you are. Yeah? I find, I believe that everything is a path in a way that it can express what that what we are, but to f- use a path to try to find what we are may not be uh, wise. In a way. At least, like in Buddhism, you know, if you ever read Buddhism, they have a, you know, the, like the basic uh, model, the conservative model you hear of Buddhism, the Four Noble Truths, where they talk about you know, everyone has, is in sort of a, like a malaise or a, or a sense of dissatisfaction or disquiet. Something's not right. Yeah? Some, they call it suffering. But it, it has a, dukkha is the word they use in the old language. And it, it means a lot more than what we think suffering is. It means just like a malaise, you know, a dissatisfaction. Let's say an irritable restlessness or discontent. It's, the mind's agitated. And it's trying, it's trying to seek relief from the agitation through agitation. You know, it's, you, can't, you can't do it. It just doesn't work. So even when it has a, an idea, what would be really peaceful and serene, once it arrives there, it doesn't make it peaceful. It makes it into something to be concerned about. When is it going to leave? <laughs> How can I fuck this up? You know what I mean? That's what it does. So agi- you can't use agitation. I mean, you can't use activity to find stillness, because that would be activity. Yeah, So you can't get out of the conundrum of the system. So the system of selfing, or the way our minds hold things, and uh, grok or understand things, or how we embrace things here mentally, uh, can't recognize what's so. You know? They're geared to recognize what seems to be so. Yeah? And so you can't, it's sort of like... There's a sense of two-ness here, subject-object, and in a way, just like you can't use the Buddha to seek the Buddha, you can't use two-ness to find oneness, you know? You can't squeeze two-ness into oneness. <laughs> there's no room for two-ness into oneness. And oneness isn't even the point. I don't believe there's oneness either, to tell you the truth. I don't believe there's anything of any kind of sort, but... Let's, but it's very difficult from two-ness to none-ness. So you go, okay, two-ness to oneness at least. And they're even saving you more time. They just say, just not two. Don't even think of oneness because it's just going to drive the, the two-ness of the formatted mind crazy. <laughs> because now it's going to try to use 
two-ness to get to oneness, you know what I mean? How can I, how can I the separate subject, find unity <laughs> with all there is? <laughs> but I want to find it as the separate subject. <laughs> so I want to have an experience of unity. But I don't Unity isn't an experience, you know? <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a bitch, really. If you see, because you have a... You have a thrust and a desire, let's say, or and maybe it's clothed in nobility because it's a spiritual desire, but it's a desire nonetheless. And you're being thwarted, you know. And so let's say in spirituality, you know, there's like a there's like a code of acting well, where you'd want to just fucking rip people's strokes out, really. But you just you just sit and take it basically because you're a spiritual person. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you're just really frustrated as hell. Because <laughs> somebody keeps talking about they're okay and you don't feel like you are. And you're wondering, what do they have that I don't have? And they keep telling you they don't have anything that you don't have, and that really pisses you off. And it goes on and on and on and on. So then instead of sitting with one person, you keep shopping to find the one person you can sort of come to terms with, you know, whatever. But there's still the hope that they're going to do something for you. (laughs) As if they have a special propensity that you don't. (laughs) Yeah, whatever it is. A transmission or something. There's transmissions, but there's no one transmitting. This is we're receivers and transmitters. Yeah? There isn't any one big honcho or hanches of a transmitter that's transmitting to all us little flawed receivers. No, I don't see that to be the case. Mind is mind. No one has no one has has the uh, has quoted the market on mind. <laughs> it's always available at all times. Yes, we're swimming in it. Now. So, like, uh, in recovery, we call it self can't get out of self. It always infuriates people. Because they, if they really sit with it, they see that most of their activities all day is self trying to get out of self. Every time they drank and shot up and did this and did that, the bottom really line was to try to get out of this uncomfortable feeling, this sort of malaise of suffering. I'll get back to the Buddhism. So in Buddhism says, uh, you know, desire is the source of all the suffering. And I think the third noble truth is you got to sort of cease the suffering. Yeah? And then the fourth one is this is how to do it. And they say the Eightfold Noble Path. You ever hear that? So if you look at the Eightfold Noble Path in a linear way, you know, there's the first one is right view. Yeah? And then in the... In, in the old idea of Buddhism, the right view was anatta, you know, non-self. A-N-N-A-T-T-A, I think it's an old word. But it meant no-self, non-self. Not no-self, just non-self. You know? So it says the right view is that there is no self. There's no inherent, long-lasting, independent, separate entity that has choice and, you know, uh, all this. It's just not there. There's no, if there's no reality to that assumption. And then it says, okay, after the right view is entertained... I think then it goes down a litany of things like right meditation, right livelihood, right practice, right understanding. But if you see that the right migrates from the first one to all the others, without the right view, it's probably not going to be right meditation, right livelihood, right understanding, you see? The right view is is like the cornerstone of the whole process. Without the rightness of the view, 
migrating to the others, they're not right, in a way. Not meaning that they're wrong, but they're just not right, because they're not, they're not coming from a supporting the view. So the view is like what everything gets built on. So you're not going to do right meditation and then arrive at the right view, in a sense. They're saying right view leads to right meditation. Right view leads to right understanding, yeah? So it's sort of like, I'm not going to get to right livelihood and arrive at the right view. They're saying, why not just start at the right view, and then that will infuse everything else. Yeah. So in a way, the illuminating quality is the right view. Yeah. And then whatever path you take, what livelihood, what understanding, you know, a Sufi understanding, a, a Buddhist understanding, no understanding at all, whatever... It doesn't matter in a way because it's going to be the view that makes it right. So you can use whatever your whatever situation you seem to be in as the right, let's say, raft to the shore, to the other shore, because it's the view. Yeah, yeah. It's not what I'm doing. It's it's in the mind frame I'm doing it in. If I'm doing it in the sense of that there is no person or doer, then that's a free action in a way. It's not a it's not a, a like it's not fly paper where the mind's going to get glued to it because it thinks it's a doer of that action, which is going to react as a lot of thinking about guilt or shame or pride or something else. There's going to be a huge mental reaction to every action if it's held as you're the doer of it. Yeah. And the same thing, right likelihood, if it's your mind in selfing holding it, there's going to be a lot of opinions of what about wrong likelihoods. <laughs> You're going to be judging a lot of people and yourself with about a wrong likelihood, yeah? So every, every, without the right view, every action, every understanding will basically just agitate the formatted mind to have opinions about how it's doing, how it isn't doing, how they're doing, how it should be, how it once was, how I want it to be. On and on and on and on and on. It's sort of like a, it just attracts. It's just like the word my, you know? The word my, to me, represents a bridge from conditional mind, which has got a lot of fucking ideas and beliefs and conditional takes on things that knows nothing about, really. Yeah? And yet, so let's say a thing called a spiritual life comes by, and then you feel like you've gotten interested in a spiritual life. And that you, so now you go, well, this is like my spiritual practice or my spiritual life. That my is like a bridge for this, just this huge army of old ideas and beliefs and conditional concepts about spirituality and who's practicing spirituality and how you should be practicing. Down to download in all the activities that are framed in that spiritual life. Yeah? It's not the spiritual life that's bringing you the meaning. You're giving it all the meaning it has. Yeah? And that meaning, and it's not you, it's a you that's sort of the, the conduit for the meanings to come into that practice. It's not you. The feeling of it all is it's you, but it's a you, a you. So it's, the my is sort of like, it, it's like the floodgate that opens a lot of ideas to flood into any topic. Just like girlfriend, my girlfriend, it changes dramatically when someone becomes your girlfriend. You know, the rules change. You think you have a lot more permission to do things than you actually do, like, you know, look on your emails and, you know, maybe stalk down something. Whatever. You know, <laughs> absurd things can happen. I like to use contrast, but it doesn't matter the degrees. Yeah? You use it to express, like, or paint a broad picture, but a little bit off and a whole lot off is the same thing. It's off. 
Yeah, it doesn't matter how much degrees it is. It's just one degree of separation is separation. Yeah, it's not like I'm getting closer not to be separated because I'm only at one degree of separation. It's a lot better than six degrees of separation, but you're still in the state of feeling like you're separate. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter if you really feel like you're separate or you're really a tiny little bit separate. It's still the same thing. Yeah, yeah. The mind just riffs on degrees here. It just so instead of just one thing being one size, it's really big or really small. It's really close or really far. It just expands on a premise. They even say like the whole thing of nature is self-replicating, right? So you take this thing here, you take this little bit, and then this this uh, shape is just done over and over again in the same bush, yeah. And then, if this was larger, you would call it a tree, but it would be exactly the same, but a larger size. Or it could be a miniature bush, it was tinier, but it's got the same print, so they call it self-replicating. That's what mine does. It replicates itself all day. Yeah? Yeah. You ever see fractal? I think they're called fractals. Like, they, they get microscopic, they bring all matter down, and they got these wild shapes, and everything has these wild shapes. And there's just compounding these shapes that make everything here. <coughs> so they brought down, let's say, the basic, the basic building block of the dream of mind here into these fractals. The mind just rifts and then puts the fractals, and oh, an Empire State Building appears, or you know, a tree appears. But if you break it all down, it's just one sort of shape, one little thing. That's <laughs> trippy as hell, you see. Yeah. But so the mind with the bridge of my to everything that it comes in contact with, that's how it downloads all its ideas. Yeah, that's how a world of self-centeredness is, is, is driven. Yeah? It has to happen with claiming, so there's got to be an identification with I'm the doer of that, the thinking or the feeling or the action. Once that's in place, it just downloads a lot of meaning to whatever that may be. And so you're now in, you're like drowned in the minutia of mind. Yeah, you're just, and that's sort of like that, that feeling of irritable restlessness or discontent or malaise. We're just totally at the bottom of an avalanche of a lot of fucking ideas and concepts and mental winds blowing in our life, <laughs> in this life. So, so in Buddhism it says, hey, get the right view, you know. Let's start there. <laughs> and I believe if, if I ever had a, like a, which would never happen, but an organizing, teaching thing, I would just stay on right view forever. That's the whole point. Why go anywhere else unless the view's right? That's how I see it. I mean, everyone wants to move right away. Oh, yeah, there is no self, and then get into tons of shit. You know? Why not? There is no self could be it. You could just sit there and and just see what, what happens. Entertain that possibility. You know? And then go into breaking it down. Well, you're not the thinker of the thoughts. Wait, wait a minute. Oh, what, should that be like a one-day seminar, you know? Oh, yeah, sign a one-day seminar, right? Sunday we'll move to, you're not to feel like, you know, it, maybe it'd be better to sort of dwell on it for a while, entertain it, you know, possibly. It's not like a rush court like Cliff Notes, you know what I mean? It's best to sort of sit with it and go, what does that mean? Let it, you know, flow over me for a while. Don't move to the next seminar. Yeah? If you hear something that sort of moves you, let it move you for a while. Don't immediately go to another class to sort of increase the movement. Let's, let it take its own course because it's going to have a lot more impact. Yeah, That's what happens. People rush it. They get a drop download and then they just think more downloads would be better. Sometimes one is enough. You know, 
you sit there because that one will reverberate in time for a long time. Yeah, one little download, hey, I'm not that, can be the reverberating uh, rhythm of your whole life from then on. It's just I'm not that, I'm not. Just reverberates in your living. I mean, you don't need to hear another note. You just that happens, and that note just goes ding. And the mind just follows it, and it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And now it's moving to a different tune, yeah? Just with that one note, where this is just a cacophony of shit going on here. In, in manifestation, people, are, everything's trying to grab our attention. This is an old freaking day. You know, they're yelling, screaming, beeping, you know, blowing horns, everything. But this is a very silent little boom, but it can grab your attention like nothing else can, yeah? So why go any farther? The livelihood will find you. If you're drawn to meditate, it will find you. And understanding can only be useful when you're sharing with others because you'll be rooted in a vision, which is much higher level, I feel, than an understanding. You know? You know? Right livelihood, all these things, you'll find your seat assignments. Those things will become obvious to you. But I would say the obviousness comes from the right view, You know, having that corrected. Yeah. So that's the whole idea about this message is say, hey, how can so how can you get to the right view? I don't like the approach to keep talking about the right view. Let's just question the wrong view in the sense if you want to call it right and wrong. So instead of trying to describe how one would be, let's just deny the two-ness of things. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then maybe you'll find out how it is instead of knowing. Because it's not going to help me if I know about oneness from Tunis is just going to drive me more crazy because then I think I must have done something to make it like this and you know how can I not how can I undo this and then try to make it one again yeah how else are you going to think about it if someone says all there is is oneness but your experience is hey it pretty sucks that much every day you obviously are probably in self-centeredness and you're going to find yourself had something to do with it sucking yeah so now you're going to have guilt about the tunis. So some people, it's best not to hear anything. Just the tunis, just live with the tunis. But then they hear about, well, there's oneness. They, that fucking just invalidates them, and they feel shitty. So I tell them, don't come to these meetings. You know? Some lady just said, you know, my friend's my wife said, hey, she gets really agitated when she comes to satsang. Don't come. You know, fucking cook today, whatever. Read a book. Go to a movie. It's better for you. This isn't for everybody, it's just an invitation. If it hits someone, the invitation is, you're going to run with it. Yeah? Have faith in mind. That's what we're going to read today. Faith mind. What does that mean? Well, because we're, we call a conditional aspect of mind, or let's say a mental process, which doesn't really uh, promote much faith in, it's always seemingly failing us, yes? So we've been, our ability to have faith in a sense has been eroded by what, we're, what we call mind. Yet mind itself is, is faith, yeah? To have faith in mind itself. So what, where is this? I think it was a screensaver one off. Our, our, our organization is unbelievable. Oh, great. So, here you go. This is a... 
throw it to the skull he has yet. Okay, so if you haven't heard this, this is a pretty cool. So it starts out with the great way. So you know what that comes from. Right? In Taoism, they talk about the way. It's not talking about your way. It's the way. Yeah, yeah. The great your way. <laughs> your way is the wrong highway. <laughs> so it's obviously. So it's the great way. It's not difficult. But there's a disclaimer here. For those who have no preferences. Yeah. So the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. When love and hate are both absent, everything becomes clear and undisguised. Now you have to see in this place of manifestation how much role, quote unquote, you have. Yeah? If something, nature is to be clear and undisguised, yet when love and hate are, are present, you won't see that. Yeah? So your role is where the love and hate are. are yeah? It says, when love and hate, hate are both absent, then everything becomes clear and undisguised. Basically, everything is clear and undisguised to begin with. But when there's love and hate present, then they're not clear and undisguised to us. Yeah? See, they, people talk about the absolute. Okay, there's an absolute. But there's a, this is a manifestation. And in this manifestation, this whole, this whole talks about the role that our preoccupation with the formatted mind has the ability in time to block us off from what's so. Yeah. It doesn't say that it, it isn't what's so and then it becomes what's so. It's always so, but it won't seem to be to us. So in a sense, it's not so to us. Yeah. So we have a huge role here. In other words, yeah, there's something, there is this, the spacious everywhereness, but who's feeling like they're rubbing up against it all day? So our role is we can we can be the experiential denial of what's always so in time. It's not it can't happen forever. It's not happening in the reality, but in this dream you play a huge role. Yeah. It's sort of like there's all this light there, and you seem to be in a mental room, which is the self-centeredness, yeah? And the mental room has very, very limited ways of seeing or thinking or looking. And so let's say that those understandings from self-centeredness are like windows in the wall of the room, which the light has to come through for it to hit the inhabitant, yeah, me. And in this situation, a five-cent paper shade can block out the light, yeah? If the shades are pulled down, I can be in this little mental room of self-centeredness and will be deprived of the light that's always available at all times. Not truly, but seemingly. Yeah? Obviously. Look at your own life. Yeah? So, in this position, from take me being someone in the room, sitting here, the best I can do is to try to find a way to get to the shade and lift the shade or punch a couple of holes in the shade and at least get a little light. Yes? In this thing. So, I'm basically still the main player in receiving the light. It's up to me. If I don't leave the room or leave this chair, or if I don't find someone who can lead me from this chair to the shade and tell me how to pull the shade up, I'm not going to have any light. So, in a sense, I'm playing God the whole time. You know, the mind, the conditional mind is playing God with what you would call God, the light. Yeah. So, this God's a bigger God than the light because I can deprive myself from it. 
I've got these mental shades pulled down, you know, there's no light seemingly coming in. And yet, in this condition, I'm apt to buy any artificial light that comes around, you know. Sign up for this, you know, eight-year course, and you'll be a little brighter after eight years, you know, whatever. And you'll buy batteries every year, and whatever, you know. So, okay, what happens if you entertain the right view that you're not this long-lasting, independent, separate entity, the doer, the mover, the shaker, the alpha and the omega, you're not even in this chair, you're not even in this room, yeah? And then you would entertain the possibility you're not there. Where would you probably find yourself? Right where you've always been, in the light. So now you would see the window, but you would be seeing it from the light point of view. You would see the shade, and the shade would have no ability to stop you or, or cut you off from the light, even though it's still there. The shade would be there, the window would be there, the room would be there, the seat would be there, but you wouldn't be there. Why? Because you actually have never been there. That's why it's, a, it's a, a perfect solution, because it's not a solution, because the problem's imaginary. That's why it's a great solution. If it was a solution, it would have to be followed or preceded by a problem, and on and on and on. And on. Yeah? But in this case, it's an imaginary mental condition we're taking ourselves to be in that causes us to be deprived of the light and we're needing the light and we're actually looking for it in all the wrong places, basically. You know, relationships, money, whatever. So, okay, I'm not here. Now I'm suddenly on the light side and nothing has changed in a way. Chair is still there, the, the wall, yeah, the, the window, the, the five-cent shade, but now nothing can block me off from the light. That's it. That's the view. Yeah? If you take this view, you're going to be looking for paths. Yeah? You're going to be looking for leaders. You're going to be looking for someone to save you from this predicament. Yeah? And like Buddha's in, like uh, Huang Po says, an old Zen master, you can't use the Buddha to seek the Buddha. You can't use the light to seek the light. You can't use mind to seek mind. Yeah? It's just recognizing what you're taking yourself to be. Maybe you're not, and that's mind. Yeah? As soon as the, the, illusory, the illusory identification is questioned, you don't need to form another identification. You are something. You are nothing. Yeah? There's already isness. Once the idea that you're something you're not is dismissed, you don't have to try to become what you are. It'll become obvious you are that, which you were seeking from what you weren't. Yeah? And it's totally logical to seek it from what you're not, when you're taking yourself not to be what you are. It is. That's how the mind works. Hey, I've got to go get some light. Obviously, if you believe you're deprived of something you most necessarily need, you're going to have strategies and self-ambitions and will to try to get that. Yeah? But we're always thwarted because... The dilemma isn't what we think it is. The solution to it is it's an imaginary condition. And therefore, it, it isn't even a solution. <laughs> if you see it's imaginary, where would there be to apply a solution to? That's the good news. Because the solution is still in the realm of problem, solution, problem, solution. Oneness is still in the realm of one and two-ness. Yeah? How do you get a sense of two-ness from a, a sense of oneness? How do you get a sense of oneness from a sense of two-ness? But none of them elicit a sense of zero-ness or nothingness, do they? Yeah? Nothing, 
You don't bounce from nothingness. You can say nothing to something, yeah, in a way. I guess you can. But sort of nothingness has a, 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 great, a great sense of neutrality. Yeah? It doesn't, lend, it doesn't lend itself to too much comparison. Every time you compare it to something, you actually emphasize something because you can't have any idea of nothing, can you? <laughs> you can only think of it as the opposite of something. <laughs> but you can't... You can't uh, describe the qualities of nothing, you can only describe them by saying it's not something. Yeah? That's the beauty of it. The same thing, that's why we say it's not two-ness. We don't try to describe oneness or whatever. We just say it's not two. Because we know the qualities of two-ness, yeah? We know the, how it feels to be in a sense of subject-object. And then we know cold and hot, close and far. We know all the distinctions or the polarities of the energy that we're hearing here. We have an intimate knowledge of that in a way, in our gut, because we're, we're living as it. So the question that I'm not too is it. Yeah? Once that's hit that I am not that, that's that. Yeah. Then if the mind's going to, where it's going to go, you'll be on a need-to-know basis. You'll find out. Yeah. There's no path to set because it's not going to follow any path. Whatever it does is the path. Yeah. Whatever how it's expressing is the path. It's not that it's, it's, its expression is defined by a path. The expressions define the path. Yeah. How do I just hit this one? Huh? Oh, that lights it up. Well, this is going to be very progressive. Today. I usually have it printed. Yesterday you mentioned about the mind reflecting the mental process. Yeah. Kind of stuck in a loop. Yes. Meaning I can't have have access to this because I'm stuck in this loop. Exactly. And the beautiful news is you're not stuck in the loop. That's the solution. Yeah? There's a loop. There's a loop. But the feeling that because there's a loop, I'm stuck in it, that's the inference of the the mental process called selfing, yes? So there is a loop. Yeah? And that infers there must be someone in the loop. That's what it does. That's the logic of conditional mind. When it sees, when there's a seeing of an action, it believes there must be an actor. If it can't say it's you or me, it'll say it's God. There's some divine thing doing all this. It's always a someone, a noun somewhere, that's directing and causing all these verbs. Yes? It's just a flawed logic of the conditional mind. So every time there's a thought, there's a, it, it, it initiates a sense that I'm the thinker. Yeah? And the thinker, that's the mind to all the thoughts. Yeah? So now the thoughts become uh, receptacles of conditional meaning. Bing, bing, bing. Like it says in the Course in Miracles, you and I are giving everything all the meaning it has. Yeah? What are the vehicles for that, those meanings to hatch here? Is thoughts. When they're happening in your head or feelings, you in, a, a meaning is injected into those feelings from the conditionality of mind. Yeah? It's like a giant library of like mental winds that are seeking manifestation, but they need to blow through you. Yeah? So you facilitate that by everything that happens brought to us by conscious contact, a feeling or a thought. Yeah? That's brought to us by conscious contact. It's not brought to us by you or by some thought-making factory. It's brought to us because there's an awareness of it, yeah? So it's brought to our attention because we see it. Let's say with thought, we see it in, in, in a sound way. You hear it, yeah? And it's in a language, yes? So the thought is like the receptacle. The mind gives meaning to the thought through the identification as being the thinker, yeah? 
Where is that our rule? You're talking about our rule. The There's law. no rule in it. It's just a conditional mind. There's no one to have a role in it. Yeah? And so we see it, but we take the stance that we're looking from it. See, we see it, but we but the, the idea of being the thinker puts us right in the mix. Yeah? So we can't get separation from the thought because it's my thought. Yeah? It's so like if you go to a park and you're, watch, you're watching kids play, there's 30 kids playing, where's your attention usually going to go? It's probably to your kids, yeah? Same thing. Thoughts have a nature to come and go, but once they're yours, they're, they're changed. Their orbit shifts, yeah? They start orbiting around an idea called you. Yes? Just like when life is just happening, which is the case it is. With self-centeredness, it seemed to be happening to you. So it sucks something in and creates like a current, yeah? So now if you ever see water running, it's going, it's not, it's going uninterrupted, it's flowing its natural flow like the great way, they would say, yeah? It's going downhill and its current's going there. All you need to do is put a rock in it and it changes the current, right? You put a rock in it. And then suddenly the currents have to go around the rock, and some of them get caught, and they start circling around the rock. And then what's coming down the way, the river gets caught in this thing and gets stuck, like a leaf or anything, and then some branches. And then sort of like like a stagnant eddy gets created, usually right near the rock, you know, maybe a little behind it. So the current's going this, some of it's getting sucked in. So the leaf, its natural way would be to go down to find wherever it's going. It gets sucked into this current, and then more leaves, and then you can't even see the surface of the water anymore, you see leaves, yeah? And it gets thick, and things get stuck in there. That's what it's like, yeah? The mind, with the mind, is sucking the current of this mental stream, and it's pulling it around this object called Paul. And this is producing a lot of stagnation. Things aren't flowing well, yes? What you call neuroses and mental illnesses, and all this shit's happening, yeah? Because, and the point is, not to bitch about, oh, look at what life's doing to me. All these fucking leaves are coming into me all the time. If you just remove the rock, the current would correct itself. Yeah? It's only producing this certain current because the rock's there. Yeah? So this mental idea that you're this stable, long-lasting, independent, separate entity is, is producing an effect in the manifestation. You're producing an effect here. Yeah? You're pulling in things into your own orbit. And then you're bitching about the closeness of all your little moons and planets. And you wish, why the fuck are these things driving me crazy? Because there's something to drive crazy. <laughs> there isn't any driving crazy without a you to be driven crazy. <laughs> if you take the you or the rock out, there can be driving crazy, but it won't be you. It'll be totally different. Because driving crazy is something that happens here, for sure. Tons of currents are going. Tons of them are streaming all day. But you change the whole stream by putting this idea that you're a solid, long-lasting, independent, separate entity, the doer, the thinker, the feeler, the haver. Yes? Once you start playing that role, a lot of unintended consequences go, <laughs> come about. Yeah? Things come and become barnacles on you. Yeah? And a barnacle needs a solid thing to anchor in. Yeah? So try to pull the barnacles off a rock. It's very difficult. But if there ain't no rock, there's no barnacles. Yeah? They need something to anchor in. Everything does. All these thoughts, all these feelings, 
for them to have a lasting quality here, you know, made into memories and everything else, they need something to latch onto. And they they don't have suckers. It's your you're the glue. You're the mind. They're just moving the way they move, yeah? You sort of go, oh, they're about me. Suck them in, glue it, and now you're stuck, yeah? And then more leaves, more ideas, stuck. And then you've got to, like, eight layers of leaves, and your ability to reflect, you know, a clear mind is gone. Now there's no reflection. It can be a beautiful sky overhead, and the, the water, the surface of the water be totally tranquil, but yours is full of leaves. You're not picking up. All you're seeing is the underside of the leaves, yeah? You're reflecting that. You're reflecting all the agitation of mind instead of being able to reflect the sky in the in your ability to reflect, which is mind's nature, is to reflect, yeah? So there it is, but now it's covered. Its surface is covered. Then you take yourself to be the leaves, let's say. So here, the great way is not difficult. But there's the disclaimer for those who have no preferences. When love and hate are both absent, everything becomes clear and undisguised. So I don't even go with the love and hate. That'd be too much work. Let's say when the lover and the hater are both absent, everything becomes clear and undisguised. Seriously. Let's make let's take a shortcut. Yeah? Because it sounds like, well then I gotta give up love and hate. Good luck. <laughs> That's another fucking huge amount of work. <laughs> That's not gonna succeed. But hey, when the lover and the hater are both absent, everything becomes clear and undisguised. That's my experience with that, yeah. Make the smallest distinction, however, and heaven and earth are set infinitely apart. If you wish to see the truth, then hold no opinions for or against anything. Again, instead of trying to get rid of your opinions, just say, ask who's having them. <laughs> if there isn't one having the opinions, you'll lose interest in it. I'll tell you the meaning that the opinion was carrying will shift dramatically because you will have broken the bridge from that conditional mind downloading into the objects that are brought, brought into contact by consciousness. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. The thoughts are just thoughts. They're receptacles. There's, you give it the meaning it has. You give every event the meaning it has here. That's what this is. Yeah? This, this apparatus gives meaning to things. Okay, so a question. Who has this opinion? Ask that, yeah. Okay. And then the answer is... <laughs> don't go to... The, don't, and then the answer is... Just linger in the question. Okay, thank you. How can you give life to a question if you merely want an answer? <laughs> Let the question meander and see what happens. Instead of, all right, I'm willing to ask the question, but I want the answer. So when I ask the question, who am I? What is going to happen? Find out. Don't take the fun away from yourself. Okay. Yeah. But there might be, like, steps or something. No, no, no. Okay. That's me. Now there could be, but, you know, find out again. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. So... If you wish to see the truth, then hold no opinions for or against anything. To set up what you like against what you don't dislike is the disease of the mind. When the deep meaning of things is not understood, the mind's essential peace is disturbed to no avail. So what in Buddhism, what would you think the deep meaning of things is, is not... is what is the deep meaning of things in Buddhism? That they're in, 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 in essentially empty, yes? They don't have a lasting, independent, 
self-generated quality. Their appearances. Yes, so when the deep meaning of things is not understood, the mind's essential peace is disturbed to no avail. The way is perfect like vast space, where nothing is lacking and nothing is in excess. Yeah. I may not have anything to say about this today. It's very good. Indeed, it is due to our choosing to accept or reject that we do not see the true nature of things. So there's the true nature of things, but we can be blind to that, yes, due to our choosing to accept or reject. So assuming that we have a power that we don't have causes us not to be able to realize the true nature of things. In other words, it, indeed, indeed it is due to our choosing to accept or reject that we do not see the true nature of things. Yeah? So I'm not saying it's you that's choosing or accept, but the mind. The mind's belief that it has the ability to choose or accept or reject, yes? In other words, this presupposed power, is a, that presupposed power is what causes a blindness to the nature of things. Yeah? The true nature of things is the true nature of things. Nothing's happened to that. But when we're... When we're in a condition that implies that we are choosing to accept or reject things, that condition, I would say, is selfing, yes? Then that condition has the ability to cause cause the true nature of things not to be able to be noticed, yeah? So it's not like the true nature of things isn't the true nature of things, it's just at that point not the true nature of things to you, yeah? Take it personal, okay? When you take it personal, okay? Or any of that to you. If you drop the new, to you, then there would be the true nature of things. Yeah. But when it's the true nature of things, let's say to you, isn't the true nature of things. <laughs> We're thinking they're real and solid, and they have an incredible power to affect us. Yes. The you is the whole. The idea of you is the biggest distributor of meaning here. Yeah. All this meaning that's being distributed all day by the apparatus when it's directed from the sense of being a you, is called self-centeredness. So we're, in, we're caught in a system of thought and interpretation, which is the giving of meaning, called self-centeredness, yeah? And it's a very small field. We've been through every inch of it. We've followed a lot of its formulas of how to be happy. <laughs> We've entertained all the possibilities have to offer, and we've just changed it the objects, like, instead of Sue, it was Mary, or whatever, but it's the same formula. We've been trying to entertain with the hopes it would deliver the goods. It's a pretty worn-out, fucking failed system, yeah? (laughs) But self can't get out of self. So, when you have a desire to get out of the system, and you are the feeling of the product of the system, which is the feeling of being a self, good luck (laughs) of getting out of the system. Because you what you is the system. So if if you seem to escape the system, you're in the system. <laughs> yes. How could a product of a mental process transcend the process that makes it? <laughs> in other words, you can only go so far. <laughs> We're gonna try to save you time, bro. <laughs> because here you can save time. You can. Because time has a very uh, strong influence. And we're trying to save you time. You know? You can learn from one blade of grass, or you, you may have to roll around millions of them. But you can get the whole message in one blade, or 
8,000 blades. That maybe the best thing we can do is save time. Once you see a, a, an example of a failed system, maybe you need a few more, and after a while you realize it's a system that's failed. Yeah? Mostly it kicks in a feeling that you're the one that failed, which is the product of the system. Self-centeredness, everything becomes about you. Yes? The system has an incredible fallback mechanism because it covers its failure because you always take responsibility for it. You'll either blame yourself or someone else for the failure of the system. Yes? And in your belief. So it has a perfect disguise because it's the last place you look at. It's sort of, and so you keep working the same formulas. You just try, you try to move the numbers and the equal sign and addition sign, but it never works. The math is off because the mathematics of the self-centeredness is based on one, you. When the mathematics of the great way is based on zero, nothing. Yeah. When you have zero in the equation, things make sense. When you have one in the equation, it doesn't. And self-centeredness is that. This is perfectly, clearly defined by that statement, self-centered. The system is centered on the idea of being self. A long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Someone who has choice. Someone who is the doer of things. Someone who is the owner of things. Yeah? Yet, even in our body kingdom, look at all the processes of the body that you run. Yeah. The only thing you have any say in it, the only big process of the body that you have a little bit of say in is the breathing. It's half voluntary, half involuntary. All the other major processes are involuntary. Yeah? You're, the big shaker and mover hasn't even been the contr- given the control of its own car, so to speak. <laughs> it's like the big dad won't give you the keys. <laughs> you know, he'll be fucking arrested for drunk driving or something. <laughs> so you get to breathe. <laughs> All right, you can breathe. <laughs> and if you fuck that up, we'll take over. It's half of it's involuntary. But forget about all the rest. You're not shitting when you want. You're not digesting food. You're not pumping the blood. But I'm a thinker. <laughs> that one I'm claiming. I'm thinking. I'm thinking today. I've been thinking bad thoughts all day. It's sort of like, I've been pumping my blood much faster today than yesterday. I'm bad for doing that, but I'm liking it. I like to pump my blood really fast. <laughs> Sounds insane, doesn't it? But then, why not apply that to the thinking? The fruit fucking sound pretty insane. I'm thinking. I've been thinking bad thoughts today. Bad thoughts. Bad. Don't share them with anyone here. No. Bad They'll have bad thoughts about me, which they're already having. I know it. Bad, bad. <laughs> yes. All right. I'm going to use affirmations. <laughs> I'm going to affirm some good thoughts. Great. It may work, but you have seventy thousand. Let's say you use fifteen affirmations. And the 69,890 something other ones that are going unnoticed are saying, fuck you. I bet you're going to feel like you're fucked mostly. You're going to be trying to swim against a very heavy mental stream. Yes. I'm okay. No, you're not. I'm okay. No, you're not. One thing you can look at is a thought beyond or prior to most thoughts, which is, I'm the thinker. Yeah. That assumption 
has the biggest role in all the thoughts. Yeah, because th- that's what gives it precedes every other thought with the word my. Yeah, so taking yourself to be the thinker brands every thought, so that when that thought comes by, it's branded and the doubt that's about me or it's mine. Then all that, all the conceptual, and I'm telling you, there is a lot of conceptual fluff up there you never see that's just waiting to download. Yeah, and it needs a bridge to download into something. Yeah? And that bridge is being the doer, being the thinker, being the feeler. Yeah? Then the feeling is meant, it's made into something that you once felt before. A thought that you once had before. And so on and so forth. And the dream of self-centeredness just, it's like cotton candy, how it spins it. You know, it's actually nothing. And then they do the spinning motion and it takes on an appearance. Yeah? It's all fucking cotton candy. Yeah. It's just spinning out of nothing, and then it, it takes on a shape, and every time a thought is seen, it's held as yours, it has the ability, it's now reinforcing the bonding agent of, you're the thinker. Yeah. Every thought is being used to point to the thinker. Every feeling that's claimed to be mine is used to point to the feeler. Every one of them, noticed or unnoticed, yeah? they're being held in a certain understanding that you're the doer of, you're the feeler of, you're the hearer of. This is what happens when you claim, or the mental process tries to claim the activity of spirit or consciousness. It claims to be the one who's conscious, and then it has, it starts playing God. Yeah? And this God is chock full of meanings, and its expression is to manifest through vehicles of thoughts and feelings and situations. And now it makes a subjective experience up for you. Yeah? And you live in this little realm of self-centeredness. Some of us, it's like being in an aquarium. You can't break through the glass. You're around people, but you can't connect to people. Somehow or another, because you're connected to that, to the selfing, and it isolates you. You start breathing rarefied air. No one understands me. No one thinks like I do. No one, no one's done the bad things I've done. It's so fuck. It's unbelievable. It's like a, it's like a casing of terminal uniqueness forms, and therefore no one can help you anymore because they don't understand. I'm special. I'm specially fucked. You know, and so that's what happens in AA. I went into AA and I had terminal uniqueness. You know, it was a basic, ongoing uh, spin, really. And I sat in these meeting rooms and people were sharing and I was listening to them and I was really surprised about how did they get my thoughts? How did they get my feelings? How did this guy from Canada get my feelings? I thought I was the only one who felt that. And then this guy shares it and she shares it. And then, wait a minute. And then I had those special heinous acts I'd done that no one did. And someone blurts out they did the same thing. And I'm like, What? And then I realized, how could they be my thoughts if so many people have them? Yeah? How could they be my feelings if you're having them? How could they be my reactions to life if everyone's, a lot of people are reacting the same way? And I got a very big leap. Hey, these are alcoholic thoughts. My whole life has been interpreted from an alcoholic point of view. That's why it's very familiar to their interpretations. And then I realized, hey, I don't identify with who you are. I identify with what's taking you over. Because we're laughing at the same fucking things. And a quote-unquote normal people would come into the meeting and they'd be aghast about what we're sharing. But everyone who's been living under that yoke of tyranny, of that extreme self-centeredness called alcoholism, would identify. We'd go, yeah, 
did the same fucking thing. I did that. Because it's not, we were taken over by a mental parasite. This possibility, if you want to call it a host, this possibility was taken over by one sort of parasite, parasitical tendency. And it's expressing its own character through us. And we're claiming its expressions as ours. This is called being identified. Well, you want to take it a step farther back? Well, the first addiction is the, is the conditional mind's addiction to being a self. That's, that's, that precedes alcoholism. Alcoholism is an extreme subdivision of it. But the division, the, the, the true division is the mind is addicted to the idea of being a self. Yeah? Then it spawns alcoholism, it spawns all these other things, but that's the one. Yeah? And that's what we're trying to get relief from when we drink. And that's what we're trying to get relief from when we shoot drugs. And that's what we're trying to get relief from when we're looking at porno. And that's what everyone's trying to get relief from. All these other activities. Yeah? But there's no relief to be found. Because this addiction can never be fulfilled. The mind's addiction to self can never, never cause it to be a self. It can only appear to be one. It cannot make the transformation from appearance to reality. Because you are already something, or let's say nothing. You are, your reality is already established. It can't be transmuted into something else. It can only appear to be different in the mind. Yeah, It can't be so. So of course, if you have a very... And the mind's got a very strong desire. It's a strong, it's a strong faculty. Yeah, It's a very strong faculty. So if that desire is being thwarted, guess what? The alarms are going to go off and it's going to want relief. But let's say if there was an ignorance about this, if seeking relief will be based on ignorance. So it will be looking to get relief from that with things, let's say, with drugs, with this, with that. And it will keep on keeping on doing the same thing, expecting different results. It will be in a form of insanity. All caused by this, by the first. Yeah. To you, if you want true relief, you can't go to the third or fourth knot. You need to get to the first knot. When the first knot loosens, it affects all the other knots. If you, lo- if you loosen 16 and 12, it's not going to affect the first knot. The first knot has a thread that runs through all the others. It's what set up the possibility of knots. Yeah. When this knot seems so, this knot seems so. This not seems so, this not seems so. When you realize this not isn't so, it doesn't make that not seem so. But when you realize this is not so, it makes all the other knots seem not so. Yeah? That's its quality. So here it is. None of this, this rope, this line, has never been knotted. It only appears to be knotted, and when it starts appearing to be knotted here, the appearance grows in reality. So the fifth, sixth, eighth knot, it seems realer and realer and realer. And we want more and more relief. And if it doesn't look like we can do relief, we start shooting dope or doing other things. Because we, it's, it becomes the imperative. I must get relief from this, un, this discomfort, this irritability, restlessness, and discontent. Yes? The only true relief is at the first knot. If that's not so, yeah, then all the imperatives of all these other demands are, are, are false. Yeah? You're not driven by the ignorance anymore. You're not seeking relief from the outside. Yes? You've been freed from the need to be liberated. The only thing that needs to be liberated is a mind and self. Yeah? 
And if you're not in self, there's no need to even be liberated. That's the freedom from that. Freedom isn't by something, it's from everything. You're not need, you don't need anything to quote-unquote be free. That's your essential quality. Yeah. What you don't need is what's causing that not to seem so. Yet that's what we feel we really need. We're busily trying to save our face instead of our ass. Yeah. But when, you're in, when you come into this program in AA and here, you probably mistake your, ass for your, you know, your face for your ass. You're living for the image of the mind instead of for your ass. You gotta have a spiritual anatomy class. You're not that. You're not that. You're not that. You're not that. So then you send your little cop. You save your cosmic ass. And you'll know it if it's so, because it will reverberate. It's not like you don't need to suspend the the the, the relief or the or the sense of satisfaction. It happens quite quickly. It produces the goods. It's not like a layaway plan. Oh, this can be so, but you've got to purify for the next five lives. Fuck that. That's like you want a couch, and they say they'll deliver it in 2022. By that time, you may be dead. No, I'd like to have it now. This translates to an ease and comfort. You start traveling later. Like on Saturdays and Sundays and Mondays, in the subway system of Toronto, going to Kensington, wherever. You're walking around in a lighter state because you put the rock down. And you'll know the problem by the solution. And when you know the problem by the solution, there's no need for a solution because the solution is an imaginary problem. And therefore, the solution extinguishes its own purpose. Yeah? There's no need for it. It's temporary. Hey, the study the problem study like they Dogen said a great Zen master said hey the study of Buddhism is the study of self and to study the self is to forget the self that's what happens yeah when you start studying selfing it, it distills to one pertinent point I'm not that yeah all you see is the pointing the mind gets dissuaded from making the leap. It doesn't, it doesn't make the leap. And now what gets emphasized is you just see all this pointing, but what gets emphasized is the seeing, not the seer. That's the implication of the pointing. The seeing is what reveals what's so. Not when there's a sense of a seer, that's the product of the pointing. Yes? That's all it's attempting to do. You're the doer. You're the seer. You're the one. No, they're just... They cannot, that desire cannot make it so. It's the mind that makes the leap. All the pointing goes, I'm the one that's pointed at. Bingo. Now you're, now you're the reference point. Now you're hit to that historical blip on the little screen of time. And now a story about how things were and a story about how things will be is how your mind remembers you. It thinks about you somewhere else in the past. It worries about you somewhere else in the future. And you're remembered now. Because what's so has to be remembered. Well, I mean, what's not so has to be remembered. What's so doesn't need anything. It's so, yeah? It's sowing. It's being right now. It's on right now. But what isn't so to appear so must be remembered. That's, that's the mental faculty of memory. It's remembering you. So every day... The obviousness of just being on is forgotten by the remembrance that I once was really much more on than I am now, 
And I'm really hoping I can use this moment to get much more on later. <laughs> You're like a little doll the mind uses just to fixate over. It doesn't, it's not truly identified with the body. You could give a shit about the body, as you noticed, haven't you? If you ever did drugs, I'd be shooting a lot of, I mean, I, once I was shoot, doing like three hits of acid, and then my mind came up with a great idea. Oh, let's take the train to the city and eat eight downs. I would have probably died that night. So this idea of the instinct of self-preservation, yeah, it's about self-preservation, but not the preservation of the body. The mind was only out for its little preserving itself. It could give a shit about the body. It just aligns with the body because that's what it uses to produce a relative truth, you know? I was here, I will be here, therefore I am here. Yeah, isn't it the case? It remembers I was here, and then it thinks about I will be here, and then it just makes this crazy assumption that I am here. Yeah, just as I'm thinking I was there, just as I'm thinking I will be here, I am that here. <laughs> so you see, its main drive is to live in the past and project in the future, because that's how it appears here. Yes? It's not so, so it has to be. It has to appear to be so. To who? To the mind. That's why seventy thousand thoughts. Man, to do your job, it takes you what twenty thoughts to navigate a day in Toronto Sunday. Let's say you don't have to do much on Sunday. Twenty thoughts, maybe. Go to Spadina in Richmond. Should I have a latte or or a decaf? Uh, what should I eat? You know, and then you go to bed. Maybe watch a show or something. Maybe twenty-five thoughts. Really, 69,975 others? What are they doing? If they were just be, to be practical, you probably wouldn't use 70,000 thoughts your whole life. Really. You could probably live a whole life and not use your bank of 70,000 thoughts. You could reclaim it, maybe. You know, Give me some space for these 20,000 thoughts. Maybe you'd go through 45,000 know, if you had a stressful job. Maybe 50,000 your whole life. 70,000 a day supposedly happening in the head. A day. What are they doing up there? Pointing. Thinker, 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 Then an action is seen, the habit comes over to the action. Doer, 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 bad doer, boo, do, 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 guilt and shame. Then feeling. Feel a feel a feel a feel a feel a feel a feel And then I once felt it, and I'm afraid I will feel it. So What's the mind going to do? It's probably going to break down. All right, on that. Fuck it. Fuck it. I give up the kingdom of heaven. Fuck it. Let me move the Hoboken, New Jersey. I'm ready. I am a loser. I'm never going to get what I want. I'm never going to be happy. Don't, you know. But, but I'll just trudge along. That's what we do here. You know, you get browbeaten enough, you're probably going to buy into it, don't you think? All your ideas, all the sense when you were a kid are gone. You've given the wonder and awe has vacated. You don't have wonder and awe anymore. You know when you see a little kid and you go, you you hide it behind a coin, you go ah, and it laughs, and then you do it thirty times, it still laughs every time. Or a Labrador, you take it to the beach, you can throw the ball till your arm falls off, and its tail is going just as crazy the eight hundred times than the first time. Us, you know, we see something. Oh, I've seen that before. You know. Oh, fuck, that's boring, you know? You know what I mean? Where's the wonder and awe? Where's all the ability to see the beauty in things? It's all been so dismissed and fucking 
vacated. You know? It really has. We've lost the whole... We're not even near the pulse of life. We're just basically... We're like a, a death cult. We're like in vertical coffins with wheels. We're just rolling around. You know? <laughs> I'm so afraid of dying because you've never been alive. Yeah? If you haven't been alive, you'll be scared shit of dying. You really will. If you haven't really been alive... If you really don't know what life is, you'll be scared shit of dying. You will. The mind will be petrified of the idea it's going to miss out on what it's really totally missed out on. <laughs> so this is, I don't know, you feel it, you know? This sense of being on right now. The mind says it means me. It, that's an interpretation. Just sense the onness of life. It's pulsating through us right now. Being is occurring. Manifestation is occurring right now. We're right at the pulse of it. Yeah? Maybe sense it. You have the ability. You're conscious. Yeah? Consciousness is bringing about all of this contact. Well, I can, like Buddha said, when you see, see. When you hear, hear. When you feel, feel. When you taste, taste. taste. When you touch, touch. You know? How simple is that? Just to acknowledge, instead of the seer and seen, acknowledge the seeing. Instead of emphasizing the hearer and the heard, which is what the conditional mind does, maybe let the emphasis of the hearing occur. Yeah? The smelling. Not the smeller and what was smelled, but that. Yeah? When you say uh, that we're uh, vertical coffins... Do you, do, you, do you mean... That's a nice statement. I like that. Yeah. Vertical coffins. Do you mean you? <laughs> no, in this case, you. Uh, uh, okay. No, hey, you. Do you, I mean, do you include yourself? Is this what I'm asking? Or are you, are you in wonder and awe? Are you... Is that yours? I'm or? not, no. But there's wonder and awe. But I'm not in it, no. Why? There isn't one. Pardon? There isn't one. There isn't one what? There isn't an eye to be in it. I'm not here in a sense. Oh, yeah. Seriously, yeah, yeah. it's a cliche, but it's true. Yeah? So where's the wonder and awe then? What's... <laughs> <laughs> there doesn't need to be a you to have wonder and awe. That's the good news. Okay. See, we believe there must be someone to be there to have wonder and awe. Who says that? Just the yeah. system of self-centeredness looking out for itself. Yeah. So you were talking about, you know, the state that we're generally in, which is kind of like boredom and all that kind of stuff. That was your and yeah. and you said and, and you know, as a comparison you were saying there is wonder and awe. Yeah. Like that we're missing out on. Yeah. Okay. So who's how can you experience wonder and awe if, if you're you're not? <laughs> you know what I mean? Find out. Because you've been experiencing wonder and awe because you are not. There doesn't need to be you to, uh, you to have an experience, yeah? I'm not sure. How would I know? Well, there again, then ask. Just find out. Yeah. Just maybe ask this question. Is, did, does there need to be you to have an experience? Just sit with that. See what comes up. Yeah. When you were a baby and you were experiencing things, there wasn't a sense of you. Like when you were nine months old, they, that baby's experiencing things, yes? 
feeling new things, it's smelling, it's hearing, like that. There's an experience going on, yet there's no sense of a you there yet. They've even proven it in neurological research that sense of self arises maybe around 18 months. Yeah. So the the aspect of the brain that or mental process that that's producing the sense of self hasn't really kicked in yet. Yet it hasn't all the wiring hasn't been connected and the sense of self isn't being produced. Yes, experiences have been happening ever since it popped out of the. It was having experiences in the womb. Yeah. 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 You see how, just to point out, you see how much importance is given to the idea of self that we can't imagine an experience without it. (laughs) It puts itself in a very lofty position in its own system so that you'll never question its kingliness, you know, or the incredible importance. Like, there wouldn't be anything happening here if if I wasn't here as a Paul. That's a baloney. Yeah. And the thing is, it says that everything would be really great if it was absent. Have you noticed that? Yeah. So it even said it even claims a huge amount of power by it would be really great if it was absent in one's life. Yeah. The fact that fact is, it's inherently absent. It's not if it's present or absent. It's if it seems to be so to you or to the mind. Yeah. That's the where the root is. It isn't the idea of self. It's the belief in the idea of self. Yeah. The mental process is going to produce the idea of self. That's what it does. Just like your blood is being pumped and your heart's beating. This is another mental process and it's producing this sense of being a self. Yeah? Uh There's nothing needs to happen. You don't have to try to change that. It's just like you trying to, you know, stop the blood circulation. It's crazy. It's just doing it. But if the mind gets totally engaged in it and takes itself to be that mental production, things seem to happen, yes? Maybe you take things very, very seriously. Maybe too many mountains are made out of molehills in your life. Maybe you're having a a lifelong or a very long stretch of of experiences of being really heavied out. So there seems to be a need to maybe question the system that's the one that's being relied on. (coughs) And I'm saying the system that's being relied on is called self-centeredness. And its, and its dependency is on the relevance of its center, which is self. We're just questioning that. We're not trying to extinguish something that isn't so. We're just trying to question that activity because it seems to have had, got all our attention and interest. Our attention and interest getting absorbed in self-centeredness, one of its effects is the lack of wonder and awe. That's what happens. A lot of the absences that are happening in our life are caused by our obsession with self. Yes? It's a very greedy uh, parasite. It sucks a lot of life out of us, yeah? Our inability to stop and, let's say, smell the roses because we're just enslaved to the idea of time, that we have to get somewhere and do something to accrue value and this and that. We have all these so-called demands on us all day and then we don't think we have the time to take a breath or to say hello to someone or be concerned about someone else. We're too busy by our own concern about ourselves. These are all like symptoms of the disease of self-centeredness. Yeah? And there's, count, there's countless more. Look up in the book, look up in the dictionary the word self, and then it has a hyphen, and they have about 90 attributes after it. Yeah? 90 or 100 in some dictionaries. 
I never did it, but I, I think if you would weigh them, there'd be maybe 10% on what you'd call the positive side, like self-love and self-this, and, and then like 90 cents, like self-emulation, like putting yourself on fire, self-destruction, self-hate, you know what I mean? They have a lot more on a certain other side, you know what I mean? It's like a bad bargain. You know what I mean? I got a I got a little chance for self love, but I'm probably leading to a self immolation, self destruction. Oh, that sounds great. I want to live a theme of life called self destruction all day, <laughs> sabotaging everything, kicking the love out of my life. But I'm right, you know all this. Come on, if there if you felt like there was an option, not a choice, because it's just the mind. Yeah, if the mind entertains, hey, I'm not that. Yeah, what? My, what my mind did, this is what exactly happened. I was trying to practice all this shit, doing all this stuff, working, trying hard to get free and trying to get better and clearer and detached and all like that. Then I heard this message. And the message was, hey, bro, you're not that. Yeah? As soon as my mind entertained, hey, it may not be that which needs to be free, which needs to get better, which needs to have an advantage, which needs to feel love and all this. If maybe I'm not that, right? The next thing my mind did, the next thing was, hey, I can be free of that. While I was identified as it, I could never entertain being free of it. That's why when you see a lot of people kill themselves, they don't usually shoot themselves in the elbow, do they? They shoot themselves in the head. They want to be free from K-Paul. That radio station that's blasting all day. Yeah? They want freedom, but they can't separate. Yeah? So they have to take the whole enchilada out. they got to kill what they call themselves, the body, so that they get relief from that. There's a better way. <laughs> you can entertain you're not that, and then be free of it. Yeah? With everything else going on as it's going on. You don't have to commit suicide, or spiritual suicide, whatever other kind of suicide... You can just forget it, you know? Because all it is is a giant bunch of activity that's used to point at a phantom you. If it ain't you that they're pointing at, you'll forget it. You'll lose interest in it. And without the light, the show isn't going on. The show needs your light, your attention and interest to illuminate it. It's your energy that's causing the sense of bondage. If you become, if you, if you stop participating in that, that, the bondage is relinquished. The light, it's like that projection of that image based on, on the strength of the light that's projecting it. You're the light. You're that, you're the light that's making it seem so, so real. It's not the movie that's great, it's the audience. You're captivated by the presentation of the mental process that a life all about you. You're captivated by it. It's like being in a porno theater. You know, Steve doing Dallas and Dallas doing Steve all day. Yes. We're stuck there. We want relief, but we're like stale jujubes and the smell is weird in this theater. And, you know, the popcorn sucks, but we can't seem to leave. We're just entranced. Oh, it's about me. You know, I am a real fucking loser. Yeah. It's incredible. That's why they call it booze and it's called the cherishing of self. The mind loves what it's making. Yeah? It's not that it can't disengage, it really doesn't want to. Yeah? 
what only worked for me was dropping in a possibility, and I didn't wasn't even looking for that possibility. Someone just told me about this meeting, I went to it, and the possibility, the one possibility I needed to hear was dropped in, and as and that was in a sense, I'm not that. You don't need to be beholden to that, Paul. Stop trying to improve that. It's ne- you're never going to transcend that. You can't leave an imaginary place, Paul. It's not going to work anymore. And so I was left with all the failed devices, and I thought that, that's what I was. The, comp- the composition, the comprising of all those failed devices, and it all failed. It was like my pants dropped, and I didn't pull them back up. It was like walking around downtown with my pants down. I had no idea. I had all my spiritual identification as being a great meditator. Phew! Meant fucking nothing, you know? All the incredible sublime understanding. Phew! Nothing. It meant squat. And I just sat there, and then my mind reconfigured over a new idea. It crystallized in a different way. Hey, I'm not that. Instead of crystallizing all around the idea I am that, it started to reconfigure into another crystallization, I'm not that. And then what happened? Its ability to reflect was retrieved. Instead of reflecting agitation, it started to enjoy peace of mind. It started to reflect the clarity of mind, and it's an incredible, bright, clear clarity. And the translation of it in this action figure life was traveling lighter on a broad level. Yeah. And so I could trace back the problem from the, the relief that the solution brought. Yeah, the solution, I'm not that, brought a relief that actually informed me of what that was, that I'm not. Yeah, And I could see the structure and the mechanism of selfing. Now, maybe you may not agree with my take, but it works for me. Yeah, And that's the only take I can share. So, it wasn't about studying the truth, it was seeing the falsity of the, of the format, the two-ness. The sense of subject-object, me being the subject and everything else being objectified by this false subject. How am I going to see the forest from the trees in that condition? How can I sense the present if I'm only sensing my presence as this? For this to be the presence, the presence has to seem to be absent to me. You can't work it any other way. For you to be all there is, all there is can't be noticed. <laughs> you just couldn't pull off the logic of obsession of itself. Yeah? If you're all there is, what, what all there is cannot be noticed. It can be experienced, it can be talked about, but it can never be so. Yeah? It can be experienced by you, but you'll never be, it'll never be so because it's being so negates your presence. Yeah? In a sense, it's, it's by your absence that that is present. Yeah? And because you're inherently absent, then it's always present. Yes? You don't need one experience, oh, I was absent that weekend, and I felt the presence, only to have that a stor- as a, a story that now the absence that's become present has. You know, I had this incredible epiphany. No, you didn't. That was the absence of anyone having anything. Yeah? There was no you there to have anything. That's why it was an epiphany. And of course the mind rises and goes, I had an epiphany. It co-ops it once again, and now you put it on your little spiritual mantle, and you compare its length and its depth to other people who had epiphanies, and you try to judge yourself in the hierarchy of epiphany havers. 
you know, I'm a very, I'm a very high soul. I had this incredible long epiphany, like nine hours. You know, it's like a, a marathon, a spiritual marathon you ran. The epiphany was a, a large event of your not your absence. Yeah. Not to be claimed by your mental presence, but to be left there as a fucking free sample. So that the mind can go, wait a minute, if it was so then, why not now? Why does it have to be segmented into little pieces? Why can't I just expand it into the, to a state? Why isn't this always seemingly always so, if it's always so? Why isn't it always so, if it's always so? Yeah. Don't underestimate mind. You can know the whole ocean, like they always say, by one drop. One sense of the ridiculousness of this formula called selfing can show you the whole mechanism. Yeah? Because all it does is self-replicate. Every way, its whole logic is just replicated. If you see the one nugget of its logic, you'll see the whole insanity of the system. Once it's revealed, the emphasis is on the seeing of it, and I would say, you are the seeing of what you're not. You are that. You are the seeing. Yeah? How are you going to describe the seeing? You can try to describe the seer, but there's no way you can describe seeing, because it's happening. There's no point where you can stop and try to describe it. You'd be missing it if you did. It's happening. There's just seeing. Yeah? There's just imminence manifesting. Now. And we are the expression. It's manifesting right now. Like St. Francis says, what's looking is what you're looking for. Right now. And whatever now it is, it's the same. What's looking is what you're looking for. It isn't like only this now, and there's going to be a special now later that, no, it's not really that case. It's what's looking is what you're looking for now, comprising all nows. It's the same thing. Using mind to seek mind will not work for eons. No results will occur. That's forever. Yeah? Light can't seek light. Mind can't seek mind. Buddha can't seek the Buddha. Did you see the Buddha on the road, Kelsey? Yeah. Exactly. So, instead of trying something, trying to find something to reflect, just get sense the quality of reflection. Why are you seeing everything that's arising? Is it, is, do you need to train all your attention on one of the things that has arisen or what's allowing everything that has arisen to be seen? I would say the seeing is where you rest. Yeah? Obviously, nothing could be seen without the seeing. No matter how many myriad forms have been seen, there's only been seeing. Yeah? that allowed that to occur, why, instead of resting in the thousands, why not rest in the one that brings and begets all the thousands? Yeah? Why not rest in the seeing? Why does it have to be taken to, to be a seer? Why not just let it be the seeing? Yeah? And don't engage in subject-object anymore. Don't, go, don't engage in noun and verb anymore. Just stay in the verbing. Those are the preferences. Those are the distinctions that make the difference between heaven and earth. Yeah? They're seeing, all there is, heaven and earth is see or seen. Yeah?
It's not an effort. It's just a recognition. Yeah? Seeing not to, there's a recognition in that. It can't be quantified or said or spoken, but it can be lived. Yeah? Which to me is a lot more valuable than anything else. Yeah? You're not walking around going not to all day. <laughs> it's, uh, you just see it. Yeah? Yeah? Not to goes back to the original subject object, you and that. That's what it does. This gets negated. That's what happens. Yeah? You don't have to negate male and female. It all gets leads to the negation of subject object. That format of aspect or of mind that takes makes nothing into a seeming mythical one, but the application of a practical two-ness all day. Yeah? So, bingo. Paul. Yeah? To go back to the I am not, in a simplistic form, I am not the hater doesn't make me the lover, the liker. But it takes all those emotions out of play, all those feelings, right? And that's why you're a little lighter. Well, it takes on all the. It takes what it does. It, it it extracts the meaning that your mind is giving to all those emotions. Thank the emotions you. are emotions. Yeah. They're coming and going. But what we're usually dealing with is a lot of meaning that's been given to them. Yeah, and that's what happens when they held as my emotions. So, then that can graduate, right? Well, it has to. Yeah. Just like in recovery, it says, you know, the disease is progressive. So is the recovery. Right. The recovery progresses. Yeah. Let's say the mind's entertained something. The entertaining is in timelessness, but its manifestation is going to be in time. Yeah? So it can appear to seem like it grows over time because man- manifestation is defined by time and space. There's got to be some space for something to happen in, and there's got to be time for it to happen. Yeah? So the timelessness is the, of mind, but the expression sometimes is drawn out into time, obviously. Yeah? So you do get it like instantaneously, inst- instantaneously in a way. No, no time. It's not like you get it because you are it. Yet it, the getting of it may pan out in over time. Yeah, it may seem to get deeper or whatever like that, expansive, because that's manifestation. That's the joy of it. Eh? I mean, let's say here there's a sense of love. And then in manifestation or in time, it's lovely if, when it can get drawn out over a spread of years. You can have a relationship here of 20 years that takes so many turns and things, but there's this huge sense of something because you sort of like age together. Yeah? That's a lovely quality. So there's the, there's the time of love, and then added time to it, it takes on all these different looks. What's wrong with that? Yeah? This isn't about saying fuck you to the manifestation. The manifestation is an expression. Yeah. I think it's a lovely part of the equation, you know? Imminence or potentiality finding expression. Like I have a, my girlfriend... Sometimes I have a sense of feeling about her that has been uh, cultivated by time, yeah? I've seen her go through a lot, cancer, uh, 
kidney infections, divorce, you know, tons of stuff has happened. And, uh, and just to watch her live through that uh, has brought about a huge feeling of, uh, of uh, I don't know how to put words to it, but it wouldn't have been there the first day I met her. You know, it sort of grew in manifestation in, through time. And uh, it's actually exquisite. You know, it is. So I see mind and mind alone and uh, mind is seeking expression. That's why there's manifestation, obviously. Yeah. And uh, seeking. Yeah, it's manifesting. Just. Well, and I don't know why it, I don't have no why if it has any yeah. intention or anything. Exactly. I mean, in the course where I was I was involved for quite a while, I would say that love's nature is to extend. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that would be manifesting yeah. extension. Yes. Yeah. Well, so maybe so love is not enough. It wants to. It's one. It wants to be loved and to and to love. Yeah. It wants, <laughs> who knows? But I don't have any qualms with it. So some of your wisdom is other people's wisdom? Like <laughs> no no one had the wisdom. You yeah. know, like love expands, that's not your experience, that's just something you've heard. No, no, a lot of times when you hear something it it it, it gives word or gives definition to something you sense, yeah. Just like the one of the biggest things I had with the course was when they introduced me to lesson two, which is you and I give everything all the meaning it has. Like that was yeah. just an unspoken yes immediately. Because I, a, it gave, it, it defined something I had been sensing my whole life. Yes. And then find, and it was a beautiful little keynote that it could define it that way. Uh, it gave my mind something to go, go around and then to explore. Yeah, it was a lovely little tidbit. Yeah. So it was a nice way to say something that you already knew. Yeah, well, most things you already know. You just haven't been able to put, uh, uh, let's say, uh, it, they're easier to grab in a way when they get put into a lovely, lovely like succinct statement, like Ramana Maharshi says, to know God is to be God. Yeah, that initiates a lot of sense in me because I really love that. It's I really, really, really love that statement because in mo- in self-centeredness, to know God is to be a knower of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It always objectifies the God and subjectifies the one who knows God. And then the emphasis is on the knower. And he just cuts that off with a, such a beautiful line. To know God, yeah, 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 yeah. This is to be God. Oh, shit. <laughs> I wasn't signing up for that. I wanted to be a That's knower of God. Yeah, much safer. I know, but he's saying that ain't the way it goes. To know God is to be God. Yeah. Yeah? What are you going to do with that? Not much. You're going to find out. That only way you can find, the only way that you can have knowledge of that is to find out. That's, to me, true knowledge. Knowing is something that's not worthy to stand on because you can be convinced of something mentally and five minutes later be unconvinced. But when you find out about something, it's quite different. It can lead to a point of convincing, which means to believe with certainty. And there are absolutes. Even in the even in the ideas of principles, there are absolutes, yes. And when the mind can fit itself around an absolute, that is an incredible uh, sense of reliability there, yeah. Because usually the life here is constantly moving, yes. 
yes, no, close, far, a lot of knowledge. So some people really believe something, then someone counteracts that, and that whole belief edifice drops, yeah? But to believe with certainty isn't based on ideas or understandings. It's based on a vision, yeah? Of knowing prior to knowing. Like, uh, closer to your breath, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I find no argument with when those occur. They're just absolute, and that's that. Yeah, doesn't become dogmatic or rigid. It just becomes assured. Yeah, like, yeah. In manifestation, it's already assured, but it can be assured in manifestation through you. In other words, you can walk living that principle. Yeah. And a lot of the debates are done, and none of that is, is arising anymore. What if I should have, you know, maybe it's not, no. It's just an unspoken yes, reverberating. Just give you, uh, yeah. It works, I'm telling you. So, that's why I come here, I'm telling you. you know. I mean, if you look at it, it has to be practical. It's whether, it has an effect here where the rubber meets the road. It, 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 it has the possibility to uh, initiate a traveling lighter. Yeah. Because here the possibility of traveling heavy is available. So, yeah. so it's not my wisdom or anyone's wisdom. Wisdom just downloads, you know. Yeah. True wisdom it has an expiration date quickly. It's only based on what you need to know now. The greatest wisdom is not be carrying anything at all, to tell you the truth. Be very economical, very pared down, very streamlined. You really don't need much at all. Yeah. Yeah. Knowledge can be very heavy if you think you have it. <laughs> I like what you said. Uh, recently, uh, recently, yeah, yeah I can't remember maybe when. yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it could have been Friday, but uh, about not knowing how it's such a burden and how it's so, it's like two dimensional. It's like there's something about it that's so flat, you know. Yeah, yeah, nude is everything. Yeah, does it? When you know something, how much more are you going to investigate? Yeah, it's just, it, it just really? drain, it drains you or something, right? It drains the energy out of. Well, it nudes it. It nudes whatever you know is like deep frozen. You try to stabilize something, and nothing is stable here. If I read this thing every day, there would be a different take on it. Every time I do this faith mind, there's a different riff on it. Wisdom isn't stable. It's flexible and alive. Yeah. It's limba. It's limba. It's not arthritic. It doesn't have any rightness in it. Not at all. No rightness. No inflexibility. It's sort of like the thing they talk about water. It doesn't usually... It, it would much rather go around things and keep on its way than to go through things. You know? But it will go through things and stuff like that. Yeah. Everything is much more flexible. Like sometimes I have a preference to go somewhere and someone says, let's go somewhere else. Like that preference is given up in the nanosecond. You know? No steam built up. I really want to go there because that's, I, you know, I want to go there. Oh, we can't. Oh, hey, let's, let's go this way. You know, who cares? What the fuck? You know, you're able to. There's, there's like a lot of flexibility. 
Yeah? You're not rigid and dogmatic or anything. I try to remember what you say. Like Don't do that. Later, you know, and I can't remember. Don't remember what you say. Just let it in. It has not to do, nothing to do with I, what I you know. say. I know. I know. I'm just saying that it sort of proves what you're saying right now. Is wisdom is like not. Exactly. Yeah. It's 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 not an addition. It's not something that's added on. It's something that hasn't been noticed. Yeah. You are a carry of it at all the time. Yeah. But you haven't noticed that. So we're trying to add wisdom on. And we have the wealth of wisdom already. It's truly. Have you ever met people with native intelligence and then you meet people with book intelligence? It's sort of different. You can combine the two. But there's native intelligence where the mind's just alert and it's like that and it's inquiring and it hasn't been formatted yet. There's a big difference, really. I would think it would be nice to have a little more native intelligence. Yeah? Yeah. There's this um, local nature group that my daughter was part of, and they have this thing called the art of mentoring or the art of questioning. So they would, um, so it's a system. So, like, if someone brought, like, something to them from nature, and they, the question would be, what is it? And so then the guy explained about the art of questioning. He goes, well, what do you think it is? And then, what is it? And then he kept questioning, but never giving the answer. So what What does it smell like? What does it look like? What does it feel like? How does it sound? And they let them experience it. And he did this with a lady that was like a high executive that wanted to bring their kids to this program, right? And so for 20 minutes, he didn't tell her what it was, but he had her experience it. And then later on, she goes, so what is it? He goes, oh, it's a black walnut. But she had tasted it and felt it and experienced it and lived with it. And so they were just talking about the, usually the way systems taught is teacher tells and you accept, but you don't experience. And they just said that people would be much more adaptable if you were finding out or experiencing or you had these questions, but you never tried to label things. And so, it was in, so this is what you're describing, is this finding out yourself, not... Uh, they say that with kids, too. If you say that's a tree, then the kid, next time they see it, it's a tree. But if they go... What is that? And you say, I don't know, what do you think it is? And it's just this questioning. And they said that a person would be, you put those two people, like the type of questioning that they grew up their whole life, and they, you present them with a problem, and another person that's been told how it is their whole life, and you present them both with the same problem, the other person's going to be, even though they never saw it, they're going to be able to adapt. And yeah, 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 yeah. Well, their mind's more flexible. Yeah. The other person has to remember. Yeah. Yes. What did they say? How did they say it? Yeah, yeah. So it's wisdom. Yeah. Like me going home. What did he say? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the thing I is with us, you can always... There's tons of talks, there's tons of content on the website anyway. <clears throat> this will be yeah. on the website. I yeah, downloaded I these talks yesterday and to I, the website. They don't know when they'll be up. I appreciate the repetition. Yeah, that's the whole point. Repetition yeah. is really valuable, I think. Here. Yeah. Because yeah. the mind, uh, again, if it's taught to think a certain way, you want to sort of fuck with it so that it can sort of. Uh, because there's another way, in a sense, called not thinking. Yeah. So you want to take a break now? We never even got into the faith mind, but. It's always you know, there. That's faith mind. It's always there if we need it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So you want to. Yeah, it's time. What time should we get back? It's quarter to one. Yeah, so. Uh,
Everyone satisfied? Did we have enough today so far? <laughs> I want the consumers to be happy. You, know? yeah. you paid for it. You've got to get it to money's worth. Five bucks. Five bucks, exactly. So we'll need that five to two. So are you guys, are you the guys who were at Muji?